Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Jay Posner, sports editor for the Union Tribune. I assume it's dry there, Jay, as it has been for much of the season. I've been reading about the drought on the Union Tribune website. It is not dry here. It does not look good. I will acknowledge that, but I am keeping the faith about uh, getting in, as you called it, uh, the reunion game uh, today. Padres Guardians, look, the good news is the weather's supposed to abate tomorrow. The bad news is the radar says... Like, there is no chance they're playing today. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I know you accused me on, on Twitter of, of being pessimistic, which, I, I mean... That's just real I talk, ever, man. When am, when am I ever pessimistic, Kevin? I mean, that's really not in my nature. I can't believe that you would accuse me of that. But, you know, when I when I look and, and game time is 6 o'clock Eastern and, and my trusty iPhone app uh, says it's a 100% chance of rain at 6 o'clock after raining all day and supposed to continue most of the night, I'm now, not really optimistic we're going to have a game. Jay, Jay, tonight. the iPhone said it was raining all day Sunday in Pittsburgh, and it, it did not. Well, it, it did. It rained really hard, but as often <laughs> happens back here, right. you get yourself a, a window. And this window actually happened, and it was a beautiful Sunday. Now, so I went a little deeper than the iPhone today, and that is where okay. my pessimism comes from. And by the way, did you know <laughs> if you go to Google, right? Let's try to go to Google, Cleveland weather. Yep. One of the questions that's there, you know, they have questions that, you know, they think that if, based on what you typed in, you might want to know. Sure. One of the questions is, does Cleveland get a lot of snow? <laughs> now, I think there are some things that are too stupid for the Internet. And that might be one of them. But anyway, right. looking at wind, it's, it's, right. it's ugly today. Nonetheless, I'll head out to the ballpark unless... While we're here, I get a notice that the game has been postponed uh, before because that's sometimes the favor they do us is uh, to not have to go sit at the ballpark for six hours, which I fear is what will happen today. I, I do hope my, my brother or nephew is watching this from Cleveland. My brother who moved from Southern California to Cleveland over 30 years ago, and I think he's seen a little bit of snow since uh, since he moved. But would you guess that they would try to play two tomorrow, even with the travel the Padres having to fly home after the game. It seems like that would be the logical thing to do. Move the game up, move the first game up to noon Eastern and try to get into doubleheader. Cause obviously the Padres don't go back to Cleveland this year. Right. They, and they got their Ohio swing, their Ohio and Western Pennsylvania swing out right. of the way. Look, they, they do have some off days around. I haven't checked, like let's say before between Atlanta and Philadelphia. Um, yeah. there, there, there's an off day. I haven't checked to see if the guardians have that off. Certainly. Getting early. Look, West Coast teams get screwed anyway because, you know, oh, hey, you guys have the three hours when you fly home. So they'll, they would maybe get home tomorrow at like 11 or, or midnight versus getting home tomorrow at eight or nine at night uh, if they right. were to do a doubleheader. That's almost certainly what they would try to do. Let's just keep our fingers crossed that they bang it uh, early rather than us sitting around all day. But it is what it is. Jay, let's talk about it as if it's going to happen, because eventually the well, Padres and the Guardians will play this um, this intermarried uh, game. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's really it's really something how many former Padres and, and depending on how far you want to take it, like uh, to Emmanuel Classe, who right. was traded to the Rangers. Um, by the way, for Corey Kluber, who at one point was traded from the Padres, or he was part of the trade where the uh, Indians or the Guardians, they were the Indians at the time. The they Guardians, were, they were. Years, uh, Corey Kluber. Anyway, there's Logan Allen. And then you have the, there's Juan Mil Reyes. You have the gargantuan trade of 2020. Jay, what are your thoughts as you think of, holy smokes, we're going to see all these guys we thought were going to be Padres for a long time? Well, it's funny because one of the guys, and maybe the guy that I, 
there were two guys that I thought were sort of sad, this not sad to see go, but like if you if you were upset that anybody was going, the two guys that I didn't like to see heading out were Cal Quantrill, who I thought had pitched really well uh, up until that point. And obviously the Padres have made up for that, but they've had to make other moves to make up for, for Quantrill. Clevenger was supposed, to, was supposed to be one of those. And the other guy was Gabriel Arias, who was out with a broken hand that he suffered the other day, I think in AAA. Those were the two guys. You know, from back then, we had seen enough of Austin Hedges to know that he wasn't going to hit in the big leagues. He's still not hitting in the big leagues. You know, we don't, I guess we don't know about Joey Cantillo, not a guy I knew much about at the time, other than he's rated highly. And, you know, Josh Naylor, yeah, decent player. I mean, we didn't know about the DH coming for sure at that point. Same thing when Reyes went the year before. And as AJ Preller mentioned in the story that you wrote yesterday uh, and was in the paper today, they were expecting to have Clevenger for three pennant races, basically. The one that he was part of in 2020 had four good starts and then, you know, unfortunately got hurt, which wiped him out for all of 2021 when they, you know, certainly could have used a a right-handed pitcher who could make, you know, 25 to 30 starts. And then obviously this year before he became a free agent. So I think, you know, look, the trade has to be judged in different ways. And nobody knew that Mike Clevin, sure, he's a risk, but you didn't know that he was going to miss another year of time and we'll see what the Padres gave up uh, and we'll see what Clevenger is able to do this year and we'll see what the Padres gave up obviously at this point you would judge the Indians to be the winners in that trade because Mike Clevenger has pitched four games for the Padres and certainly Quantrill and Naylor and I'm, I'm, I'm even forgetting guys that went over in that trade have done more in in that time span Sure. The Indian or the Guardians, by the way, I, the reason I just said it is that you said it just 10 seconds ago. You said Indians. Now, technically, when these trades were made, they were the Indians. So we're right. right. We're just trying yeah. to be accurate, OK, uh, but uh, the Guardians have one like, look, like you just said, they've got guys that they got in those trades who have been productive. <laughs> They are also below 500. They also did not make the playoffs last year. Uh, You know, whatever. We'll see. You know, while as I wrote in the the, the story, Clevenger, you could argue, is like the defining move in this in this era of course, signing of Tatis in 16, Machado, Hosmer and and trades, but other trades. But some of those other moves like were all bunched in like, hey, we're all in. So we need to go get Snell and Clevenger. Mm-hmm. I do want to point out, if Clevenger were healthy, maybe they don't get Musgrove or Snell. You know, like who knows what happens. I don't right, know. right. But the fact is, this was like the, you know what? We got these prospects and we're pushing in the chips. It's not, And they hate that word all in because it makes it sound like now or never. But as pointed right. out, it was all in for a pitcher that we're going to have for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with. A lot of the other moves they made, Joe Musgrove for two years, Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish for three years. But but it's this roster looks so different than what we expected all those years of the build, right? Um, right. Where you thought, all right, four or five veterans and then a bunch of young guys um, that are making the minimum or close to it that that supplement that and you have the you know the payroll around 150. Nope, <laughs> payroll over 200 because you sent a lot of those prospects away. And and so uh, this Clevenger 
trade is is a pretty big moment in this particular window that the Padres have in terms of not only what they sent away and getting Clevenger, but kind of what it said about the whole, you know, the direction they were going to go for a while. And I promise you that as some of these contracts drop off, they are going to look more like five or six big money guys. And then, uh, you know, some other players that aren't making quite as much, hopefully like CJ Abrams at $700,000, but producing, you know, Worth will be arbitration eligible, but still not huge money. I mean, a a bunch of guys that aren't making 10 plus, you know, to help offset your Machado's. Yeah, I mean, Trent Grisham would be another guy that would be yes. in, in the arbitration uh, eligible range. Uh, Owen Miller was the guy that I couldn't mm-hmm. think of as a guy that they got was in that trade. We'll see what he becomes. He's off to a great start this year, but it's obviously early in his career. The pot, and, and Preller made the point, and it's a fair point, that some of these guys they traded, and this goes back to, the, to Reyes and Logan Allen, were going to be blocked here. You know, the Padres only have, there's only so many guys you can play at once. And the Padres have guys at certain positions, especially figuring on the left side of the infield, that they were pretty set for a long, a long time to come. And they still are. Machado, obviously, having a fantastic season. You know, Tatis is, is we know what Tatis is. And Hassan Kim is a great fill-in over in that, in that area. And C.J. Abrams is another guy that, you know, going forward they have. So I, I think it's, it's kind of like the same thing with Seattle, where you, you gave up a guy like Ty France. To me, that was almost the Seattle stuff could turn out to be even worse because at this point, and we can get to this when they play Seattle a little bit more, but they haven't gotten a whole lot out of that trade at all. I mean, no, Austin, I, will, I will say, I will say, Austin Adams, major league record aside last year, pitched pretty well. I mean, he didn't give up an earned run for a long period of time. And, you know, we'll see about Austin Nola and what and what he becomes. Um, you know, the bra- the blast trade for, um, Taylor Williams, you know, could end up being one of those Corey Kluber type of type of deals. So anyway, you can always we can judge trades from, you know, now until the end of time. This one, as you said, was was sort of a well, watershed moment for the club. And really, it's up to Mike Clevenger at this point over the next five months. And if all goes well, six months into October to show what this whether this trade is going to be a complete disaster mm-hmm. or if Mike Clevenger pitches you into the playoffs this year and, you know, you win X number of games in October and you get to where you're trying to get, then whatever you gave up is, is you could say, hey, great, we gave up all those people, but look where we wouldn't have been in the playoffs. We wouldn't have been where we wanted to be in October without Mike Clevenger. But now it comes down to what can Clevenger do and can they get a full, a full I don't want to say a full season, but a full five months plus out of him. I'll say in spring training, the, the the stuff looked really good. It did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even when he went out there and he got rocked by the Giants, it turns out he had the, the knee issue and he was obviously a little hyped. I'll be very interested when he pitches either today, tomorrow, whatever, how he's able to control the nerves. Uh, he's pretty hyped all the time anyway. <laughs> he might rival me in terms of uh, caffeine. I'm not sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, this guy is a really good pitcher. He was one of the best. You cannot argue with the logic behind this trade. Now, the problem with trades is most of the time you can't argue with the logic behind that. Right, right. The team, you know, explains it. Heck, Ty France, I will tell you this, that's probably the guy that the Padres knew that they were giving up a lot there. But where was Ty France going to play here 
especially with no DH coming well, in, in 2021. And they that was the issue. Sure, but still, do you hold a gun to a guy for a, a whole season and a half? You know, that one month was a half season in, in 2020. Well, and they needed a catcher. They needed a catcher, and they loved Austin Nola. And you know, I'm still, I'm still kind of big on Austin Nola, not like as an all star, but this guy right. hasn't. I mean, especially. If he could hit in the seven eight hole, and you're talking about a guy who's like a ninety percent contact rate, I, I mean, I I really like Austin Nola. Now, that those numbers on the screen there, nope, better than Austin Hedges. But <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so you also cannot get better than this. Like Clevenger against Zach Plesac. Clevenger and Plesak were both put on the restricted list in right. August of 2020 for going out. You remember there were the COVID restrictions. So these two buddies go out. It was this big to-do. The p- other players were not happy. If you put yourself back in that time, that is an egregious uh, betrayal, you know, the mm-hmm. fears that were out there. I mean, take yourself back those two years in early COVID, man. We, I'm not saying it wasn't big, but especially back then, it was like, oh, <gasps> You have exposed us all, and 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 you could shut down a team, uh, and and we saw that happen uh, in in that season. So that was a big deal. And Mike right. Levenger talked about that. He he did so much good in this community. If you go back and you read about it, if you you know he's a great guy. Yeah, he's a fun guy, and and he felt like wow, that really kind of you know, ruined it on the way out. He, he's really mm-hmm. looking forward to coming back and seeing people. Uh, and so he gets police act. Then tomorrow, Jay. You have Mackenzie Gore and Cal Quantrill. Cal Quantrill, the eighth overall pick by the Padres in 2016, and Mackenzie Gore, the third overall pick by the Padres in 2017. Like, it just doesn't get better. Ruben Niebla, who, you know, the pitching coach for the Padres, who helped was uh, came up through the Guardians organization, and he loved Cal Quantrill, and he's so close to Plesak and to uh, Clevenger and, and so many people there. This is – it's actually pretty cool for these people. No, it really is, and it's, it's, it's almost too bad and – you know, I, I do follow the Guardians a little closer because, as I mentioned, I have family there, and they have they have so poisoned themselves and their uh, and their reputation over the past few years, in part by getting rid of guys like Clevenger, but obviously Francisco Lindor. They seem to be trying to make amends by you know re-signing Jose Ramirez, who is a fantastic player that a lot of people never get to see. Um, you know, one of the best players in ba- in all of baseball you know, belongs in the discussion, really. He's not as good defensively as Machado and Arenado, but, you know, belongs in the discussion with those guys as great third basemen. The The Guardians organization is one of those, they're kind of like the Padres used to be. And it's like, well, we get, you know, we develop these stars. Okay, great. And then what happens to them? And it's too bad that the point I was getting to is their attendance is not good. Obviously, the weather isn't going to help either. Uh, it's it's too bad that I, I would not expect a big crowd. Obviously, tonight, if they play, there's not going to be a, any kind of crowd. Tomorrow, who knows? It's an afternoon, school still in session, etc. But it's too bad that more people won't be there to to see Clevenger and, and welcome him back and, and maybe boo him, whatever they want to do if they're still mad uh, at him. But it, you, you would like to see a little, maybe a little better atmosphere than than we're going to see. But it's, it's still from the standpoint of of what we know about both teams and the players involved, you know, I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I mean, Fran Mil Reyes is off to a horrible start this year, but it's hard not to see him with a smile on his face. And and we've seen just in the past couple of weeks what what former Padre outfielders have done to the Padres with oh, Tommy Sam. Right. And then I mean Jake Marizic, Marisnik, you know, 
turned into a gold glover times 10 over the weekend in uh, in Pittsburgh. So obviously no one would be surprised if Reyes hit a couple home runs um, this week. But the, the matchups are very enticing, and I, I do hope that whether it's today or, or if both games are tomorrow, that at least we get to see uh, both of them play out. What's, uh, what's your take on where the Padres are at? What's your biggest concern? Because this is a team that's won five of six on this road trip. That is uh, 15 and eight. That is something like the third or fourth best record, tied for the third or fourth best record, something like that. What, what's your take? I, you know, I, I go back and forth between the outfield and just the the real lack of offense from there. I mean, you know, Profar got off to the hot start and he's got the home runs, but he really hasn't been good offensively lately. Uh, as, as we noted the other day, he's had an outfield assist more recently than he's had a hit. Over the weekend, you know, Beatty hasn't done a thing. Grisham showing signs uh, over the weekend maybe of snapping out, although you need to see it for more than a couple days. Uh, Will Myers has been hurt. They got, you know, one good game out of Trace Thompson, you know, coming up the other day. But the outfield and the, the lack of production from the outfield is very worrisome. And obviously the bullpen, they – can't seem to find the setup people, but I would, I'm almost more concerned with the outfield offense right now okay. than I am with the bullpen, because I think those guys, I mean, Steven Wilson has shown he's good. He can get guys out. Luis Garcia has shown the same thing. Taylor Rogers obviously has been, has been excellent. A couple of the other guys, a little shaky. I mean, Robert Suarez is very erratic, obviously better when seems to be better with a four run lead than, than anything, anything else. So they need to get his need to get his head straight. It seems like more than uh, more than anything else. Tim Hill, incredible job the other day getting out of a jam that Suarez had uh, created. So I, I think they have arms there, and I and I think they have arms coming. And I mean, Yusmero Petit, who they signed yesterday, could be another guy. I don't know how long it's going to take him to get uh, to get up to speed, but that that would be where I am right now. What where are you? Yeah, it's hard not to be a little concerned about the sort of erratic, uh, inconsistent pitching from the bullpen. You you eventually need setup guys, you know? Like even the, the faith that you you have in those uh, back-end guys who have not been perfect, uh, except Taylor Rogers, essentially perfect, you need some sixth and seventh. And what happens when it's not basically three out of four uh, quality starts, right? Like what, what, what happens then? And you need more innings from guys. I mean, things have gone about as well as they could for this bullpen. It's, it's remarkable. I forget what it is. It's uh pitch like 20% fewer innings to this point this year than they had through 23 games in, in 2021. Now 2021 was drastic, but nonetheless, it's a lot of these same pitchers who are enjoying the fruits of these quality starts and mm-hmm. it's not great. So it's hard to get past that, but this is how bullpens go. If you're not watching it, I'm doing a wave, I'm doing like a roller coaster. <laughs> That's how bullpens often go. So you're right. Now I'm a big Trent Grisham guy. So let me step back and go, okay. So he's like five for 10 or something like that. The last two days um, he's swinging more. I got something about that coming today. Uh, it's funny because Trent Grisham, out of season will tell you, yeah, I get stuck between patience and, uh, you know, uh, being selective. You talk to him in season. No, no, that's not it. Um, <laughs> right. right. You just want to get in his head, I guess. Uh, so, uh, but it's funny because I broke it down and it basically the numbers show you, yes, that's exactly what uh, he's caught between and, and he's starting to swing more. So, you know, you can think, okay, cool. Did the fact that Will Myers played five healthy games 
I don't know. Or was that just Will My- one of Will Myers' cold streaks and you know, hot streak is coming? I guess I'm more concerned about the bullpen at this point. But you make a real valid point because th- where would they be? As, as Bob Melvin says about a few players, you know, where would they be without Urix and Profar? Well, what is it going to last? Um, right. Heck of right. a player. Heck of a player. Consistency at the plate. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, there's just a – just nothing consistent out of the outfield at this point. And when Will Myers comes back, whenever that is, we don't know, you know, which will, who's coming back, which Will Myers are, are we going to see? And look, I don't expect Hosmer and Machado to be, they're not going to stay this hot all year long. I mean, <laughs> Hosmer's had a fantastic month and, but look, he could lose a hundred points off his batting average and a hundred points off his, off all those, you know, the numbers his his on base, his slugging, and he would still be having a great season. He could so, lose 250 points off his OPS, and you would still say, okay, you know, I mean, it's not great. It's probably you right. know, you're still kind of like, dang, want more out of the first baseman, but but you know. right. So I I think you know, I'm sure we're not going to see this all year. And, I actually and- uh, he was talking about that on Sunday, and I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. So you're telling me you're not going to hit 400 this year? <laughs> uh, um, and, I think you know, and, and 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 you know, Machado has been has been fantastic, and and uh, you know, just his offense itself has been great. His defense uh, is almost always impeccable. So th- they've been great there, and they've gotten enough, I think, out of the you know. Look, I don't think anybody expects anything out of C.J. Abrams at this point. Other than playing good defense, and he had a he had a good game the other day. I mean, he I, I thought when he hit that one ball, it was going out. And if and if Major League Baseball hadn't screwed up the baseballs this year, probably would have gone out. But you could say that about a lot of a lot of balls that have been hit this year. The one that Taylor Rogers gave up the other day in Cincinnati was probably uh, was probably one like that as as well. So um, I, that's just the game it is right now. It's too bad that MLB has sort of killed offense. You know, they took action against something that didn't need to be taken action against. The The biggest problem baseball has right now is the pitchers throw too hard and strike out too many batters. And that's the issue. It's not that a few balls might have been flying out of the uh, out of the park, but they they made a wrong decision there. And I think we're we're seeing that. So it's hard to judge the offense a little bit because offense, as we've talked about all, all year, offense is down everywhere. And it almost makes what Machado and Hosmer are doing even that much more incredible that these guys have been able to put up numbers like that in the conditions that they've played in. But we'll see going forward. I mean, you know, we're, I don't know, maybe six weeks away from Tatis coming back, something like that. Beyond that, you would hope Myers, like I said, Myers would come back. And and then the bullpen, you're going to need a little more consistency out of some of those, out of some of those setup guys. You know, here, first off, I want to say before I forget that what I love about C.J. Abrams, you know, we talked about it a little bit last podcast. I wrote about it, uh, the the rebound that he made on defense. And he's been doing that on offense. Now, it's not, like, great, but you'll see him look lost. And then, similar pitch, he does something with, whether it's an out, you know, or something. But he's done that quite a bit. And I think that's one of the key things that you look at from young guys is, are they learning as they go? And, and, and I think CJ Abrams is, and I also do believe he has unflappable belief in himself and his abilities. And that, you know, this will have, this will end up having been a good experience. One guy that we haven't really uh, touched on uh, is, is Luke Voigt, 
and mm-hmm. he is due back uh, on Thursday after a couple rehab games in El Paso or for El Paso. I honestly don't know where they're at. And, you know, honestly, the numbers, they they support what he says, which is that biceps tendon injury uh, hurt him when he extended. And it was basically like he was wanting to play, but he knew that when he went out there to get that pitch, it was going to hurt. And so then he changed his stance and all this stuff. And we'll see. Look, Jay, Luke Voigt is who Luke Voigt is. Uh, but if he's the guy who can give you 20 homers, then that's great because that changes everything else. Just like if, if if Machado and Hosmer weren't hitting, we'd be far more down on Austin Nola and, and, and other guys in the lineup. But you're getting enough to win, and, and that's what you need to try to do, at least until Tatis gets back. And then that really changes things in, in the length of your lineup and, and all that. So, um, you know, I well, think that uh, there's some – there's at least – Here's the difference about this team, and I notice it on this road trip. When you're going to play the Reds, the Pirates in particular, and the, and the Guardians in particular, because they're very similar to what the Padres were or for a while. With the Padres, it's like there's at least like, oh, well, this could go well. This could go well, and, and it's like believable now. And there's actually some decent players, and this team does get a lot of good pitching back. There will be a trade or two happening here in the next month or two because they have that capital in, in, to try to get some offense as well. So uh, I think that that's the thing is they're 15 and 8. Things aren't going great. And they're going to get better. I think that there's at least a real belief, and there should be a real belief that they can actually get better. Right, and and the and they have to get better because the schedule is going to get tougher Indeed. after after this week. I mean, you've got you've got Miami and Chicago and the Cubs on the next homestand, and then a, a, a multi city road trip to Atlanta, That's Philadelphia, San Francisco, and then you come home and get the Brewers before the Pirates uh, come back again. And then you nice. got to go to St. Louis and Milwaukee after that. So it's a it's a stretch coming up where, you know, look, they aren't playing the Dodgers, but there's a lot of and they yeah. and they don't play the Mets for another month, but they're playing some good teams, and so yes. they're going to need they're going to need to be better. But it'd be a lot different, you know, being 15 and eight, a lot bit different at this point than you know if they were 10 and 13 against these kind of uh, these kind of teams. So as we know, it's a long season. And you try not to read too much into what's going on and sort of pick out the spots that are of concern, but also knowing that things can turn around in a hurry. I mean, we saw Grisham over the weekend has two really good games in a row, and now his numbers don't look quite as bad as they looked going into the weekend. So we'll just have to see what develops, and we'll see mm. how things go for Cleveland today. And who knows? Ray's by the time up, a lot of people, I can feel, I can hear it against my window. <laughs> by the time a lot of people uh, hear this, the game might have been canceled for today and so we'd end up with a double header tomorrow but whenever they play we'll look forward to it thursday doesn't work for either of us in terms of uh, previewing the marlin series so we will do this uh we will do that on friday morning instead this week so everyone is spared having to see us twice in three days and uh we'll be back on friday thanks everybody